welcome to Hockey Te Charcha, a podcast series launched by Hockey India in April 2021 with an intention to bring interesting stories of hockey stars who have carved a niche for themselves representing the glorious past, present and promising future of the sport. Hockey Te Charcha brings to you engaging conversations with these icons who are a part of the large, larger hockey ecosystem as they share their stories and incredible journey. I'm your host, Nandini, and in today's episode, we talk to former Indian women's hockey chief coach, Neil Hoggood. Neil, also known as Harpo in the hockey circles, coached the India junior women's team, which won the bronze in the 2013 Junior World Cup. It was under his tutelage, the Indian women's hockey team won the 2016 Asian Champions Trophy and also participated in the Rio Olympic Games for the first time in 36 years. Harpo, welcome to Hockey Te Charcha. Uh, pleasure to be here. Papa, firstly, how have you been and uh, how are you coping with this pandemic? Um, I've been very, very well. I've been obviously living in Japan, coaching in Japan since I left India in uh, 2016. And then um, at the moment, I'm basically on break on the Gold Coast in Queensland. So I'm enjoying the break, but I'm about to fly back to coaching this Friday. All right, but do, do tell us a little bit more about your stint with uh, the Coca-Cola team in Japan. Uh, some of the girls from that team are also part of the national core group when they're preparing for the Olympic Games. Yeah, so um, sport in, in Japan is um, company-based. So Coca-Cola, uh, Bottlers Japan basically have a company hockey team where we have our own hockey stadium where we're basically the young people who train at it. We have 24 full-time athletes so it's very similar to running a national program and more than half that group uh was in the national squad of uh of 32 and i think right now with final selections we'll probably have six or seven in the team and um maybe a couple of uh, reserves as well so mm -hmm. um that's my role that's fantastic and um, just talking about your stint with India, you arrived in 2012, correct? Yes. So can you recall that time? Um, you know, I know you had consulted with Michael Nobbs, who had been coaching the men's team uh, around that time. You had had a chat with him before you took up this assignment. Well, what was your first impression about the women's team when you arrived here? Well, it's interesting. My first... Um... My first engagement, I think, was going um, to a Junior World Cup qualifier in, um, oh, where was it? In, in Asia somewhere, obviously. I remember going to it and watching this team play and looking at that talent and going, can, if you could picture that in four to eight years' time, there's actually a really lot of talent and it would be amazing to try and help them along that journey. So I think that was the first part and then the second part was arriving and having a look at their training and seeing how they were training and saying, we need to turn this whole system upside down and around. Only really from a training point of view, everything else was there. The talent was there. It was all a matter of, let's just change the way we actually train. And, and that is a, a challenge. It was an interesting challenge. It was a good challenge. Um, and it was um, one that we had to try and sell A to staff. Um, and also sell to the athletes because they were so used to how they had been training that we introduced training to be shorter and sharper, not longer and slower. So um, 
that was the that was the first challenge and it was an enjoyable one and we were lucky that the girls really wanted to try yeah absolutely and and many of them from that team which you coached are now part of the olympic team as well yeah it's interesting one thing one thing about 2012 to 2016 wasn't it you said it in the introduction is like if you don't have any olympians and you're going to go to an olympic games after 30 years Mm -hmm. Certain people's expectations are, well, you're going to the Olympics, we expect you to be successful, but it's, it's sort of like, what is success and how do you measure it? So success in the first part was qualifying and yeah. success in the second part was giving these girls experience so that hopefully half of them could back up. So when they go to that next Olympics, there's a real good core group of people who have been there and that's actually happened now. And they're playing a lot better, they're playing different, they're playing well, but going into this one big tournament, there's a core group that have been to one and that have experienced it. And that way the newer players have people that they can talk to about what they're gonna face. Absolutely, and that is something um, a lot of players, I think in 2016 mentioned that, you know what, we don't have a reference point. We, we don't have a senior player who could actually tell us okay, this is how an Olympic village is going to be. And, you know, this is how the venue is going to be. This is the kind of pressure you're going to face. These are the kind of star athletes from around the world who are going to be at the Olympic village. So those are the things that they never got to hear from a senior player. And yeah, yeah. yes, that, and that is a really such a good point because it's just like younger players need that reference. Otherwise, you just go up. And we always say it's like deers standing in the, on the middle of the road looking at the headlights of the truck coming at them. It's like they get to the Olympic Village and they just go, wow. Right. And they forget what they're there. And that's basically what happened. Um, and it was sort of, it was expected. So it wasn't any big surprise to any of us who'd been to a couple of Olympics that that was actually going to happen. But, but in the end, that experience will make them better for this one. Right. We will be talking a little bit more about that Olympic journey, but just to go back to that 2013 Junior World Cup, where I mm -hmm. think uh, Sushila Chanu was there, I think Deep Grace had played, and quite a few players in that group who, are, who continue to be a part of the core group, but just that result of winning bronze medal at such a big stage, would you think, you know, that made a lot of impact? Well, I think the first, <clears throat> it's interesting, the Junior World Cup, um, the Junior World Cup's success of winning a bronze, bronze medal went back to day one when we first arrived and we did our first couple of tours and looked at the group and said, well, this, this senior group right now isn't going to be there and, and be good enough in four years' time, so we need to start young now. Now, we didn't get the results that people wanted, so basically we picked our junior team with a couple of seniors to play all the senior tournaments leading into that junior world cup so like the, the namita topos and all these players they, they were all playing you know senior tournaments but really we had a junior team playing all those tournaments mm. and they got all this senior experience experience became tougher and tougher and tougher and by the time we got to the junior world cup the pressure of the junior girl cup was nothing to them because they'd been playing against the best australian team and the best dutch team and the best the, and even though they were getting beaten, they were just becoming more resilient. And when they got there, they actually felt really, really confident. And it was something that we deliberately, well, sorry, I deliberately looked at and said, I think this is what we needed to do. We needed to change the team and go young now so that 
by the time we get to 2016, we've got a group that can carry on for another four years easily. Right, right. And, um, you know, I'd just like to share something um, uh, that I uh, kind of, it was my first conversation with Short when he had arrived as uh, the coach, of course, after you left. And mm -hmm. uh, his first um, um, assignment was uh, in Bhopal, where the girls, I think, were playing some test matches against uh, Belarus, if I'm not wrong. And after that, he came to Bangalore where I got to meet him for the first time and he had spent a fair bit of time with the girls. So I was just asking him what his first impression was of the team. And um, uh, he, he was very spontaneous to say that, you know, I'm, I'm very surprised that the girls are very scared of me. You know, they are so scared of me that, um, you know, they don't open up. And that was something which was very, very new to Shuad. You know, because I think he he was in a culture where uh, the coach and the uh, the player used to have a very you know um, a very good communication between each other. But here he was seeing the girls just say, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hanji, sir. Okay, sir," and not giving a feedback really. And I think that really troubled him for a fair bit of time. Uh, did you sort of experience that as well? Yeah, Hanji. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll use Deep Grace. As a classic example, Grace would never, ever look me in the eye when I was talking to her. She'd always be looking at the ground. And, mm -hmm. and it, was, it was more a matter of, but by the end of the cycle, they'd look you in the eye, they'd have a conversation because they tended to trust you. And I th think that was the biggest thing of gaining their trust to say, I'm here to help you. I'm not here to get angry at you. And my job is to make you better, not to blame you. And so I totally understand what, what Shaw was going through when he first came in because, yep, I got it as well, but I understood it. I understood where that came from, um, mainly because of obviously talking to Michael and what the, seeing what the girls had been through and going, yep, you know, in the four years prior to that, I was involved with Australian women and we played India a fair few times and you could see how they were coached and why they were sort of always not going to look you in the face and just go, yes, sir, yes, sir, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was that was what I faced, but we got that out of them really, really quickly. And I'm sure, 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 I'm sure, sure got that out of them very, very quickly as well. Because right now you just see a lot of respect from the girls to him. And when they came to Japan, 2019, I think, or to yes. early 2020, yes. um, you could just see that it's just like how it had actually changed and grown. So that was a good thing. Absolutely. You know, I think, um, I think the team has worked a lot on that uh, aspect. And, um, and now apparently in the team meetings, you can't get them to stop talking, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I think that's like a huge change from what even I had seen, you know, I started working with them uh, about five years ago when you were mm. here. And um, it was actually very difficult to even get them to talk to the media, you know, to, yep. to to, to tell them that, listen, you know, you all have very inspiring stories to share and you really have to tell that to people so that more players get inspired by your story. And yeah, um, yeah it did kind of take some time to get um, Deep Grace or Gurjit and um, even Rani to a certain extent initially to kind of open up and share her incredible journey in hockey. 
Mm. And um, and it it feels great. I feel very proud of the way um, uh, they're very confident about themselves. I think that's a huge change we've seen uh, after, particularly after the 2016 Rio Olympics. And then, of course, they ended up winning that Asian Champions Trophy, which uh, mm. was like a bye bye gift to you. I'm told. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good it was a good tournament to finish on anyway. So yeah, that was fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, uh, and and um, just you know, you said you you saw them in uh, in Japan when they came in two thousand nineteen to play that um, I think FIH uh, series final. If, if yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what did you make of how they were playing? You know, um, from well, I think I think what I saw. I mean, in 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 if I. Picture the two four-year blocks, so the two Olympic cycles. I think the first 12 to 16 was about getting them to an Olympics, building their confidence, and, and getting to a part where all of a sudden they felt confident, more confident about themselves, about what they could actually achieve. And yeah. so then, then the next coach comes in and all of a sudden he progresses them to another level, which is what any coach who leaves a team would want to see and want to look back and go, yep, that was the grounding of it. And this person's come and taken to another level. And it was just so good to see them play like they did at that tournament. I watched them play two tournaments here in Japan. One was in, Harenda uh, uh, was coaching in Gifu and then also the one that Shord was coaching. But it was just like to see their change and to see how confident they were on the field and to see they were playing differently. So they've learned more styles of how to actually play just goes to show how they've evolved in 12 to 16 and 16 now to 2021. It's just, you sit back and you just go, it's just amazing to watch them now. Absolutely. And that's, that's about the game, but even as, um, as, as people, you know, I think uh, from the backgrounds that they came from, like a Namita Topo or a Deep Grace uh, coming from Sundargarh, you know, the, that's, um, yeah, that's, uh, uh, you know, the, it's pretty much the rural area in Odisha. And then uh, you have a lot of girls coming from Haryana. It was a great mix. But also do tell us about that time when I think you took the team to New Zealand. And that was probably the first flight uh, a couple of the girls were taking and they were really, really scared. What happened then? Um, yeah, well, Vendana, who hates flying, um, she's, the, she's the classic, she's the, there's lots of them that don't like long flights, but the, it was the roughest plane ride I've ever been on. And um, they were just like, Vendana, I just picture her, she was there and her hands were turning white from squeezing the handles on the seat for like two hours. You couldn't relax her. But then when we finally, I remember when we finally landed in New Zealand, it was like, oh, good, now we've got to take a short plane flight. And this was on a tiny little plane and mm. we were coming we were coming into land and the plane basically nosedived and i've never heard 20 something people scream so much <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just one of those landings that always happens in new zealand because it's windy the wind really really can be gusting and then it can stop and the plane was holding against the wind and the wind dropped and the plane just dropped and it was yeah. almost like we were going straight down to earth and it was like we, we landed and the girls said can we drive back to Wellington and not fly? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, flying, flying was an adventure. There's always, most people take 
time to recover from flying due to you know jet lag we had to add on the scare factor every time we flew with this team yeah yeah they did tell me about that and they they just said didi humne socha hum mar jayenge you know we may not make it alive <laughs> because they were so new to turbulence and yeah. uh, and that's that's one of the memories they they like to share even now actually but mm. um but yes um you know just talking talking about the olympic games now um it has been a rough year one and a half years uh, you know they um, they've pretty much been in sai in bangalore and they've trained in a bio bubble um they got to play earlier this year they were playing after a year uh, you know competitive matches after a year last time they played was in new zealand in 2020 jan feb and um they played after a year so they did well of course they they did fantastic against uh, argentina and they also played yeah. against germany but but just um you know going into the olympic games and this is going to be nothing like anyone seen before with with the pandemic situation so so what do you make of this whole situation at the moment and well i think it's it's going to be tough on a lot of more than half of the competition the european teams have been obviously playing hockey so they have some some hockey behind them but the whole southern hemisphere has very very little hockey so mm-hmm. I, i call that asia and new zealand and, and argentina very 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 little hockey so it's like the europeans in the men's and the women's i think have a distinct advantage because they've been playing into test matches and they just had the europeans and so but the other thing of it is like people don't know what teams are doing so we all know what the european teams are doing no one knows what india is doing and no one knows really what australia is doing or new zealand's doing or china's doing because people haven't seen them so there is this yes one might have a really distinct playing advantage but the other one might have this distinct of training advantage and changed everything that they've done and no one has a really good history on them so mm. that's the interesting part for me just as a coach thinking about what's it going to be like right absolutely oh, I, and i just think from a from a european coach's point of view they're probably going have india changed the way they're playing you know are they doing this so the first couple of games are going to be anyone anyone can anyone could win because certain mm. team and then after two or three days people will see it and it might settle down but some of the damage might be done if the results go against it because of the unpredictability of the teams that haven't been seen so i think we're in for an interesting olympics and i think it actually favors both the europeans and the the southern hemisphere teams um because you know people don't know really what they've been doing so it's like yeah. it's it's a it's a surprise what's going to turn up on day 1 Yeah. know what the european teams are going to turn up like but everyone doesn't know what these other six or seven teams are going to turn up like absolutely and and since you actually do work in japan and i'm sure you have been uh, seeing the japanese national team uh, as well what do you reckon of their chances uh, do, you, do you believe that you know they can surely be on the podium they did well in the asian games for sure um, japan yeah japan um Yeah look I, I think I think Japan can can do well I think they've had obviously the disruption with a new coach coming in because the uh, last coach left last uh, October and they only got their new coach into the system in January I think um but you know I I think they have as good a chance as any because I mean if you look at their results 
leading into the pandemic and everything. I mean, for me, teams three to 14, 15 in the world can beat each other. Mm. So Argentina and Holland, to me, are just like that little bit above. But Japan were constantly drawing or losing by a goal or beating Australia. Mm. You know, and Australia were in that three, four, five area of the world. So, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, it could be really surprising what they do. And I just think the first couple of days, there could be upsets, which really going to make the last few days of the pool matches interesting to see who makes the quarterfinals. Right. Fantastic. And just, just going back to your stint with India again, um, mm -hmm. you came in at a time when Hockey India was really trying to bring in a lot of changes and um and 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 making it a very professional setup you know in terms of the federation but just um you know what were the challenges that you really faced uh, as a coach one was of course you wanted to change a lot in terms of training how they train but otherwise what were the changes that you faced i mean all the changes that i wanted to actually make I ended up being able to implement them because I had I had really good support from Hockey India to do it because we had the conversation with them about this is what we think, this is what we think. I'm not going to go into all of them because some of them are just a little bit need to stay, need to stay in-house. But it was like I had that support to make those changes. So it was really, really quite easy. But one of the, the biggest ones was going, this whole this whole thing about the way they trained. You know, we had players training because they were injured um, because they thought they had to train. And we were telling them, no, 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 you don't have to train. I want you to train at the highest level. And if that means you're injured, that doesn't bother me. Get right, then come back in and train. Whereas they were training injured. Some of the injuries when we first came in that a couple of the players had were serious injuries mm. that that we looked at and go, oh my God, you shouldn't even be playing hockey. Right. You know, and so again, we had the support to go, okay, I, I can use Rani as an example. So we basically rested Rani for nearly nine months with a back injury and mm. told her our job is to get her fit, ready to go at the Junior World Cup. Mm. Don't worry. We believe this is the injury that you've got and we got the right people to look at it. And we knew it was really a long rehab. Mm. And in the end, we had to get the athlete to trust what we were doing mm. and actually understand that you training injured doesn't help you right you training fully fit is what we need now if that takes nine six to nine months that's what it takes but we're not going to drop you mm. we're going to keep you in the camp so originally if they were injured they'd be sent home right. and then we knew that if they went home they would never rehab mm. So we were changing that that medical side of things with um, Ben Daskin, who came with me originally to go putting in place, you know, rehabilitation programs. And yes, they need to stay in camp because we can monitor them because we believe that they're going to go to the Junior World Cup. They're going to go to the World Cup. They're going to go to the Olympics. We can't send them home to their village because we know nothing will actually happen. Mm. So for me, that was the biggest, the biggest change that we had had the support of Hockey India, it was just a matter of convincing the athletes that missing training is okay. Right, right. You know, because because they originally thought, well, I'm injured that I'm not coming. To yes, you're coming to the next camp because there's someone here whose job it is to rehab you now. Mm. You know, and uh, like, for example, Rani, we had Rani going to tournaments and she wasn't allowed to sit down for more than an hour on the plane. We had to get her up. 
wake her up, get her up. So she would then stand up for an hour because of her back, because we knew when she landed, it would take two to three days if she just sat there for the 15 hours before she could even jog. So in the end, we had all this stuff aimed towards that junior group. Um, And we had a few players who had really, really serious injuries. So our our biggest thing wasn't necessarily changing the hockey. It was changing a lot of off-field things that were actually happening. Um, But again, we had the support to do that. Um, it was a fight to to get it, but we 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 didn't we never had an issue um, in anywhere of of getting it. People agreed and saw what we were trying to do. Some of it took longer than we would want, but that's life, you know. That's you can't get everything you want in life. Um, yeah. But in the end, we we got everything we wanted to try and make that group successful as playing hockey and rehabbing their injuries and understanding the the off field stuff. It's okay to be injured. It's not a bad thing. You know, it's like, let's not have that injury again. So let's rehab it properly rather than coming back early. Right. It's amazing when you say this, because I now understand that that really was the foundation for this team, because now the girls um, understand very well about their body. They understand the importance of rehab. They understand the importance of recovery. They know what they're supposed to do. They've been working with Wayne Lombard, the scientific advisor, who's who's, I think done a lot of difference um, to them uh, and Mm -hmm. they share a very good rapport. Uh, Their fitness level has increased very much um, thanks to how Wayne is working with them. So I I, I now understand, you know, when you say this, because because yes, for a player, it's always worrying the moment they get injured. And if if the management's not giving that kind of confidence that look, you know, we're not ruling you out. You're you're Mm. gonna be right here and we're gonna be working with you to get better. And, and I, think, I think that was a big, big change that uh, you guys brought in when you were here, for sure. So, so basically everything was there to be successful um, when you got there. I mean, I mean, the facilities, I mean, we had a hockey sphere, we had a gym, we may not have had everything, but you can always find things to do things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the end, people now are getting a bigger benefit probably than what we had, but we were still able what they're doing, what probably what Wayne is doing now, probably couldn't have done four years ago mm. because all of a sudden the benefits have just flowed on and flowed on and flowed yeah. on. And, and so I see the progress and they see this and now they're saying, okay, this is what you want. Here it is. Whereas, oh, do you really need that? And all those sort of things. And so sort of like you lay that foundation and you go, it, it, was, it was more hard work off field than it was on field on field was easy in those four years off field off field was like god can we get some new hockey balls yeah it's going to take this long okay how can we get them quicker mm, <laughs> Just yeah. um, whereas, whereas now i'm sure it's like hockey balls are already in there and all these things things like let's get this and it's like yes if this is what you need um it seems that they're actually getting it so i suppose you could sit down and say we were sort of like pioneers of trying to make change um, but but in the end, from a hockey point of view, it was just all sitting there to, just to develop. They just they just needed a, a better way of doing it. And I think you see that in the men's program right now, consistency of one coach over a, a long period of time, you get consistency of results, which is what they're doing now. Absolutely, absolutely. And just, um, uh, I just want to specifically talk about uh, the drag flicker in the team right now. Back then, when uh, uh, when you were here, we didn't specifically have a drag flicker. There was a player called Just Breathe, if I'm not wrong. Just Breathe. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she yeah. did suffer injury and she, she eventually couldn't make it to the Rio squad, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so but now, you know, um, how, how do you see, you know, the role Gurjeet is playing for this team? She's, she's done really well as a drag flicker, but, but just in your Gurjeet. Yeah, Gurjeet. I mean, I think when we ended, Gurjeet was there or thereabouts. Mm, just right. about just about coming through. And the issue for Gurjeet was, yes, she could always flick. But mm. for me, the hockey wasn't wasn't at that level. Right. Whereas I think right now, four more years, the hockey has actually increased her drag flicking to be actually better. So she, now she's a better hockey player and the two marry up mm. um, quite well. Whereas before, I think she was just a drag flicker, but she could cost you because she couldn't tackle or she couldn't do this or she couldn't do that, but she could throw a really good overhead and she could drag flick corners. But the way up for us as coaches was, yes, yeah, she could flick that goal, but she might give away a goal because of the tackling. Whereas mm. now when you see her, she's very confident in both sides of her game. Mm. Um, and I think, again, you get, get them to a point, the next person comes in, and this coaching staff has done a really, really good job to marry up her drag flicking still being really, really good and then the hockey skills are getting better and better and better. And so you've almost got a complete player, whereas mm. before I think the hockey skills were lagging behind. So, yeah, and, and again, she's confident. You watch mm. her play. She wasn't a very confident kid when I left, mm. whereas right now you watch her play. She's very confident about everything she does. Right, right. And also, I think doing well in certain tournaments has added to that confidence level, right? Like starting from that 2016 Asian Champions Trophy win, because they hadn't yeah. had that big result even at the Asian level, and from there yeah. on, they have been consistently, uh, you know, winning some of the tournaments. Either a silver, and they ended up winning the Asia Cup uh, in seventeen, and then they did yeah. well in uh, two thousand eighteen World Cup, which which was quite surprising. I think they went into the quarterfinal. Um, they did well against some of the top teams there as well. Yeah, look, it's just. It's just a progression that you would hope would have happened and has happened. And, and again, mm. you just got to sit down and go, I mean, Short's done an amazing job to progress that team to where they are now. Be- mm. Because in the end, he's taken something, he's changed totally the way they've played yeah. from the four years that we had them. But he's increased their skill level to be able to actually play what he actually want- wanted them to play when he first took over. And they're a very tough team to beat now. Yeah. Whereas before you'd, you'd get on top of them and you could get on top of them and then all of a sudden you didn't know what was going to happen. Whereas mm. now, I mean, if you go back to when we played Argentina at Rio, I think we lost 6-1. It's like mistake after mistake and all of a sudden it just compounded. You don't see that in them anymore. Mm. Right. Um, and, and so that's, that's, that's not really, that's sorry, that's really a, a really a good sign that in the end, even when they're behind, they don't drop their bundle and, and go, oh my God, here we go again. Right. Um, so I think that's that's really, really important that you look at what they're doing and you're going, yeah, they're, they're a mentally tougher team right now than when we had them. And, think, and that's the progression that you wanted. Fantastic. And and Harput, since you follow this team quite closely, what, what is your realistic expect, expectation from this team at Tokyo Olympics? I mean, I think they've, they've just got to get to the quarterfinals and then you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing is you've got to win 
one or one and a half games in your pool matches and that will get you into the quarterfinals. And then in the quarterfinals, you don't know what's going to happen. It's just a one-off game and you don't know how everyone's going to deal with that pressure. Um, and hopefully if they can get to that quarterfinal, I think they're mentally stronger than they were four years ago to be able to go, even if they're one nil down early, you wouldn't worry about that anymore. Whereas when we, if we got one nil down early in a game, it was always the worry of watching them go, here we go, what's going to happen? Whereas watching them now, one nil down early doesn't bother them anymore. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and of course, since you, you, you are an Olympian yourself, you were there at 1988 uh, Olympics. And then, of course, you were part of that Australian team, which uh, did well in um, the World Cup in Pakistan. So I have to ask you about um, the men's team. Um, what are your predictions for the world for, for the Olympics this year? What, for the Indian men's team? Indian men's team, yes, and this, and just overall, you know, what are you expecting from the men's hockey in Tokyo Olympics? I think the men's hockey is going to be, a, we call it a, a surprise bag, because I really don't, I, I really don't know. Like Australia, for example, and Belgium, you know, Belgium just selected their team and didn't pick their captain, mm. and that's really that's really interesting. And, and like Holland just won the Europeans, yet. Yet they're ranked well below Belgium, and and you know it, it's just for me the men's competition is open for anybody. That's what I think. I don't think there's one team that you can say that's that team's like in the women's. You're pretty sure Dutch women are going to play in the final, and who's going to play yeah. against them in the men's? I don't know. I think anyone who finishes fourth in a pool in a pool could beat the number one team in a in a quarterfinal. Yeah. That's how even I think it is. Like you said, I think uh, Thomas Breel's being um, dropped from the uh, main 16 uh, mm. was, I think, very surprising to everyone around the world. And, uh, but, but why do you think that is? You know, is, are the teams looking at um, absolutely young players for Tokyo simply because of how tough the conditions are going to be in Tokyo? Is that why? We've well, seen well, Germany also go with some young players. Well, I think it's going to be extremely hot and India knows about being extremely hot. Not too many other people know extremely hot. But I also think that we have to look at Tokyo as there's certain players who could have made 2020, but maybe 21, they were just part, they were just starting to fall away. Because mm -hmm. it's a, it, it, And yes, some players, like, I mean, I, I've seen it in the women's where some players like, would have easily made 20. Mm. But there's a fair few of them in every country that haven't made 21 because they've just got to that point where they've used up everything trying to get to 20. And it was like, it's not, it's not, not mean to be awful, but it's almost on, on milk. You see a used by date. It's like used before the 2nd of July, you know? So it's almost like, yeah, their, their, their peak performance would have been 20 and they were asked to continue for another year at 30, 31. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, some of them can fall off the cliff really, really quickly. That's the way I explain it. So it, it could be that. And I think a lot of countries have gone um, that way because this extra year mm. is just, you know, it's a five-year cycle. Yeah, It's not a four-year cycle that we're all used to. And that's why, um, that's why I think the men's is just open, open to anybody now. Right, right. Harpo, just lastly, um, what would your message be for the Indian women's hockey team? Um, my simple message is believe in what they've done for the last four years and, and, and just believe that they're good enough now. 
Um, and I think they are on their day, but you've got to get through that as rounds first. I mean, as I said, some of the hockey I've watched them play against those other teams, for me, they should make the quarterfinals and then they have to believe in themselves. That's all I'd say to them. Fantastic. Thank you, Harpo. Thanks so much for doing this show. And um, as always, it's intriguing to speak to you. It's always fun chatting with you. And um, and and uh, hope you all the success with um, the team you're coaching right now. Yeah, thank you. We've got um, one more season. I was supposed to finish last year, but because of the Olympics, I stayed one more season in Japan. So we've got one more year of coaching hockey and then we'll see what happens next in in the world. Absolutely, Coach. These are exciting times. And uh, like you said, uh, the Olympic Games is going to be absolute fun. Yep. So thank you, Harpo. Thanks so much. No problems. Stay safe, everyone in India. Um, it's not a nice place out there at the moment, but um, I just wish everybody some safety. Thank you, Harpo. Bye.